Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always, yeah, back in the saddle with me is my producer, Kevin Black, as well as my co-host. I introduced these guys on last week's episode of the podcast, but Maxwell Baumbach is a new lead co-host on the Draft Deeper Podcast feed, as well as Stephen Gillespie's back for another ride this year, um, the 2023 NBA draft cycle. Listen, we got into it last week. We talked about a lot of the top freshmen because we can't cut down a list and actually narrow down names. We're back for part two of that podcast, talking about some more of the freshman class. And then next week, I think we still have like 12 other names lined Yeesh. up that we're just like, you know what? <laughs> These aren't some of your top names. Like they don't have as, as long of, of lists in terms of accolades, but their names are still going to be prevalent in the draft discussion. Uh, all throughout the college season. So we got to get some under the radar names in there for freshmen as well. And then we will move on to some of the returning players, some deeper sleepers. And as we get closer to the college season, like I talked about, that's when we'll bring up the G League Ignite conversation. So we get Scoot Henderson in the mix. That's when we'll bring up the international class. So we get Victor Wimbanyama in the mix. We'll, we'll save those prospect discussions for a little bit closer to tip off, which when I talk about tip off guys, I'm really talking about the champions classic, right? That's when everything starts. That's when the morning dunk will be out in 100% full force. That's when Maxwell is going to be reacting to all of the craziness going on in the college season. And Steven, Steven's going to have words. I have no idea what Steven's going to write about when we get to that point, but he always finds a unique way to pen some words about some prospects. So I have no doubt that whatever Steven writes as he has already, for no NBA.com throughout the offseason. It's going to be fantastic. So without further ado, boys, Maxwell, you, you ready to hop in with, with some of the freshmen we're talking about tonight? What's going on? I'm yeah, I'm really fired up about these guys. I Steven and I were on the call a little earlier than Nathan was to pull back the curtain a little bit. <laughs> and we were talking like some of these guys are just absolutely fascinating. I think the range of trajectories is a lot more widened with this group than the guys that we talked about last week. Yep. Um, and they may not be as flashy of names on paper, but I think they're a lot more interesting to talk about for that same reason. Steven, you kind of, you kind of in the same boat. You think we got a, a great group of guys we're talking about tonight. I mean, it's, it's basketball prospects, Nathan. There's no such thing as a bad group of guys to discuss. I mean, we got us three, you know, we got Kevin Black back in the saddle and, you know, I'm just, I'm ready to get to work, man. I'm excited about these group of dudes that we're going to be talking about today. So let's kick it off. We're, we're going to go in a very similar order that we did last week in terms of positions so we're going to start out with a few guards and we're going to get into some wings and some of the forwards no quote-unquote true bigs this week although we we will end with one we'll, we'll end with depending on how you want to classify um, the guy at the end but we're going to start out with some guards like I said we have Amari Bailey first out of UCLA the six foot five 185 pound guard number two prospect on the SI 99, number five on the ESPN top 100, a McDonald's All American, Jordan Brand Classic, and Iverson Classic selectee. He averaged 18 and a half points per game, 5.6 rebounds, and 2.6 assists in 15 games for Sierra Canyon during his senior season. Listen, Amari Bailey, he's not the most electric guard, the most athletic guard that we have in this class, but boy, is he crafty with the ball in his hands. Great start-stop ability. He's patient. He can make those right reads and plays out of the pick-and-roll. Pull-up shooter in the mid-range. 
has the touch to finish with the floater in the paint, knockdown shooter off the catch. So we're already seeing some makings of three-level scoring capability. I love to see that start-stop in, in guards. I wrote about that this prior week for, for no ceilings. My questions really are around, though, does he have enough of that blow-by ability to create the same opportunities off the bounce at the next level? And then what is his best position to defend? Is he definitely going to be a guy who can guard some twos, maybe even guard some threes in a pinch? Or is he going to be more uh, plotted into guarding the ones, right? This, despite him being a little bit taller, a little bit bigger than some of the other guards, he's not too he's not too burly, he's not too bulky, definitely a little on the thin side. I don't know where I want to put him on the defensive side of the ball. But there's enough offensive creativity, enough juice there to really signal some intriguing combo guard upside in this class. Maxwell, I'll start with you. Where where are you at on Amari Bailey? I don't know if you maybe have some answers to some of my questions. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to throw more questions into the pot. To talk to me about what you got with, with Amari Bailey. Yeah, so my questions are pretty similar, but I am high enough on his skill set that he is still a player I am really into in this draft cycle. He is just outside of my lottery on my ultra tentative board. Again, <laughs> I am not married to these takes. We haven't seen these guys oh, come on. level yet, but right now he's at about 16 for me. So with Amari, I, you mentioned the start stop. I think his footwork is very good. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say it's special because I think when you say that, like you start to get into really rarefied air. Um, but he is a very cerebral player with how he uses his feet to set up his offense. Um, and on top of that, he keeps his head up all the time. I am very bullish on him as a passer and a distributor. Um, he has a wicked spin move. Like he's not a guy that's really quick, but he goes into that spin move and he just eats up a ton of space really quickly. And he's right at the basket. Um, his touch is really good. His elevation, I feel like, kind of comes and goes. Like, there are times where I'm like, oh, he didn't get up very well in traffic there. And then other plays, he'll get up above the rim and finish. So I'd like to see kind of some more consistency with that. I do think that even though he is on the skinny side, I think he's pretty strong through contact. Like, he's not mm-hmm. um, nervous about it. He, he embraces it. Um, and he's just ultra methodical. He, he sees the game at a really high level. Uh, and he can make these on-ball reads, but I, I always, always, always try to look for quick decision-making because it's such an important skill because most of the time you don't get to be the guy who takes your time with your ball in, in the ball in your hands at the NBA level. Um, and when he needs to make the quick, just I'm moving the ball to the next guy pass, he's capable of doing it. Uh, to your point, Nathan, about the defense, that's really where I'm kind of hung up um, because he's just not great side to side on defense right now. Um, he does not move very well laterally or just on defense in general. Like his, his, when he's in a scramble situation and he needs to make a quick rotation or he needs to run somewhere, he doesn't cover a ton of ground. Like yep. I am just, I'm a little worried about who he guards, especially with like, like I said, I think he's, he's pretty strong given his frame, but I still don't feel great about him guarding twos and threes given how big he is currently. And I don't think he's like quick enough. And I don't think the length is enough to really compensate for ones. I'm hoping that his feel um, and hopefully like a lower usage rate when he gets there will help him. But that's kind of my hang up as well. So, Steven, I won't beat around the bush with this name, but there's been a lot of Jalen Brunson being thrown around with Amari Bailey. And I think that's that's a good name. It's not obviously not a perfect name. There are plenty of ways we could nitpick Amari Bailey's game and we would compare it to somebody like Brunson. But in terms of the skill ceiling, there are a lot of similarities there. Now, 
once upon a time, we had a lot of similar questions about Jalen Brunson, right? Is Mm -hmm. he much better to be suited as a backup guard off the bench? Um, Who is he going to guard on defense? What is his ultimate role going to be within the flow of the offense? Is enough of that post-up game going to translate some of the other footwork craft? A lot of those questions have been answered to the point where he got a massive contract this year with the New York Knicks. Now, Amari Bailey and Jalen Brunson have different body types, but outside of that, what what are some of the ways you think that Bailey could maybe live up to some of that type of ceiling, albeit not a perfect comparison, and maybe be somebody who breaks out of that backup guard type mold and really emerges as a potential starter in the NBA? Well, the thing that separates Jalen Brunson among other point guards is that one, he's a little bit shorter, but the, what really what he uses to his advantage is like the the change of speed, you know, the change of pace, yep. and I think that you know Bailey could do that now. To Bailey's advantage, he's what, like maybe five, six inches taller. So if you're talking about a player who's heady, right? Like a guy who can use change of pace at his advantage, who can contort his body, shield, shield the ball away from the defender using his body and has good court vision, and he's taller. Uh, this is a tough player to to pass up on. Uh, you know, Maxwell, you pointed out that he's like slightly outside your lottery. I have him at 14, so it's good to know that, you know, we're kind of similarly seeing this player in that range. I like his frame. It looks like he's got the body type that he's going to be able to put on some good weight. Uh, I don't know how much exactly, but it looks like it's going to support a little bit more muscle. And we know that young guys are going to get stronger as they develop. And UCLA, I think they're going to do a good job of trying to feed that into him. Um Maxwell, you pointed out the finish through contact. That was something that I had in my notes. The good passing. I like the athleticism of him, too. Again, he's not super bursty. He's not super poppy. But I think that he has a pretty consistent pace. And his stopping and, and starting ability, I think, is going to be something that that he's going to use. Now, big questions for me. Um, he can be a little too flashy instead of going for, like, a simple read. And that's just being nitpicky. I think that that's something that can be coached up. And he tends to settle a little too often on his jumper. And I don't know if UCLA is going to be the type of offensive system to where they're going to look for him to drive a lot. But if, I mean, if he's going to be playing off a guy like Tiger, you know, I think that he's going to have the the game, the style of play to be able to capitalize on some open jump shots. Well, well that's uh, that's kind of why I want to see if that blow by ability, if any of that's mm-hmm. going to be able to translate at the very least at the college level. Because if he gets walled off and he has to settle more for that jump shot and he's out of rhythm, I mean, that is when some of his game falls apart. When he can get all the way to the basket or get close enough to it to where he at least gets two feet in the paint, can go to the floater, that threat of the floater sets up a pass yep. for somebody else. That's when he's at his most effective. But yeah, if he's just going to get walled off, some things can fall apart for him. Well, and I wonder I think too. I'll, oh, sorry to butt in. I was just going to say, no, real go quick, I wonder how that could affect his role within the team too, because when you're looking at that roster, as far as just like late clock options, mm-hmm. I think ideally you're hoping for Amari's sake that it is Amari, but like Jaime is a sneaky, like really crafty guy who does really well with mismatches. And like if Amari is struggling in that department, like those touches might just go toward Jaime. They, or like they we could. just want to pick and roll with Tiger or what? Like I, I think. 
I don't think it's like, oh, it's going to get ugly tomorrow. He's not going to play. Like, I don't think it's going to be like anything severe, <laughs> well, but it could be like a couple less touches that he gets a game if that's something that doesn't scale well. Well, Amari's well, saving grace is that he is a knockdown shooter off the catch. He's right? great so off the catch. If you yeah. got to put somebody, you got to put the ball in somebody else's hands, you can camp in the corner and he, you know, he'll, he'll be, be a threat. He'll, he'll be a knockdown mm-hmm. shooter. He'll hit 38 to 40% of his corner threes. And that will be certainly one of the better floor spacing options, I think, UCLA has. The other, saving grace for Mr. Bailey could be in the fact that he decided to go to UCLA is going to be playing for Mick Cronin. And we talk about some of the defense, the concerns we have, we'll find out if this kid can defend because if you can't defend, (laughs) you're not playing a heavy role on a Mick Cronin team. That that's even if you can defend, you might, you might not get a chance (laughs) to play from what we saw last year, but real quick, before we move on from Bailey, I just wanted to point out something that I noticed in a lot of the film is that the movement, after he passes the ball, I was really kind of shocked considering how good of a shooter he is, how often he just kind of stood around instead of like relocating for a shot and trying to get the defense to bend a little bit with his off ball ability. It was just like a, a, a tiny little minor thing that I noticed in a couple of the films that I was watching, like leading up to today's conversation. I think that that's going to be something that I'm going to be paying a little bit more attention to when I watch UCLA is after he moves the ball, is he going like UCLA is pretty scripted, you know, a lot of the time. So like, that's something that might not appear at all, but if they're just kind of freelancing out there, I noticed that Bailey has a tendency to kind of watch the play happen after he moves the ball. And that's something that's obviously not going to fly at UCLA. You guys are both talking about things. Steven mentioning the, the, the movement shooting or the ability to relocate that shooting versatility. Maxwell talking about a skill that I'll be writing about with the wings this week, quick decision-making. So you, you guys are reading my writing over there. I, I, I like it. Talk about promoting no ceilings mm-hmm. through the Draft Deeper podcast. There you go. Let's move on to a guard. I won't say I'm not excited about Bailey. I think I'm just – I'm a little cool on him. I need to definitely see a few more things while he's at UCLA. This next guy we're talking about coming in, I know Maxwell was very high on him before I even got to do the deep dive. Jalen – Hood Shafino. Let's go. Indiana guard, six foot six, 215 pounds, played his high school ball in Montverde, highest ranked recruit coming to the Big Ten per 24 7 sports in their rankings, 22nd on the 24 7 ranking, 17th on rivals, 24th for ESPN. Listen, he is a smooth plus sized point guard who is very capable of both scoring and distributing. He uses his driving angles ball to set up lanes to score or dump off to the roll man or a cutter on a wing drive, patient in the pick and roll, very comfortable pulling up off the screen, going back to his right, doesn't immediately go to the jumper, but he's more than happy to do so, right? Excellent long two shot maker. That threat sets up the rest of his game well. Ambidextrous finisher around the basket, kisses the ball well off the glass on floaters. Sneaky threat to rise and, and slam it down off one. Well, love that slam jam ability that we see from Hochefino every now and then. My, my question, one of my bigger questions, I will say, can he continue to develop as a pull-up threat from three as he has just inside the arc, Max? Well, I know that's one of your big questions. And, yeah. and I'll, go, I'll go back to you, not to, not to not give Steven some love and let him answer first, but I do want to get back to Maxwell on this All one. I, I know he's the big Hood Shafino guy, but that's something we've been talking about off-air. Like, we, we know that he can shoot the long twos. We know he's very comfortable mm-hmm. doing that. You go watch some of these exhibition games, though, um, like a Jordan Brand Classic, for example. You see Hood Shafino excelling as a pull-up three-point shooter. And at his size, 6'6", 
gets enough elevation off the ground, has that higher release point. If that's a legitimate shot for him, I would think that raises his ceiling fairly significantly, apart from some of the other things that I talked about, as well as the defense that I know you both are going to get into. So let's 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 give Hood Shafino a little love here. And and why is he somebody who was very high on your radar early on, Maxwell? Yeah, he just leapt off the page for me. I mean, playing at the high school, he did. Uh, he was obviously a guy who's just going to come up on the film a lot uh, as I was getting ready to prep for this draft cycle. And he just kept stealing my attention every single game that I watched. Um, I, I call it the Drew Holiday factor in my writing where like it drew Holiday's best when he is playing like when I guess at his peak because he had, he had some rougher performances in the playoff this year. But like when Drew Holiday was at his peak, when he was playing poorly, I still always wanted him on the court because he still adds so much to the game. Even when a shot isn't falling, even if he's not getting the separation you'd like him to, he just adds so much to the game that you want him on the floor because he's adding positive value with everything else he does. Yep. And that's Jalen hood Shafino. Like, that is what he does. There is a top 10 ceiling on Jalen hood Shafino's. Like, he's he could be a top 10 pick. If Let's the go. Let's um, go. His touch is unbelievable. He is super versatile. Uh, in terms of what he can do on defense, he will guard guys the full length of the court. Um, he has really good strides. He's pretty strong uh, for a player his age as well. Uh, he can whip one-handed passes with his right hand. His pass placement is outstanding. He's got nasty fake passes. He mm. will sell and commit to a fake pass that will just completely freeze the defense, and then he'll hit the open man. It is wild, wild stuff for a kid his age with his size. Um, the shot making is really, really smooth in the mid range. Um, I think the, the other knock on him, um, outside of the jump shot, which is, is the big one. And he's going to be playing for an Indiana team that really has struggled to find consistent outside jump shooting over the last several years now. Uh, so the spacing might be rough that could give him some headaches. Uh, but he does weave through the, uh, weave through the lane and weave through traffic really well. Um, he is not ultra bursty. And I think a lot of times people are like, oh, well, like this guy, he needs a screen. And like, that was like a criticism about Josh Giddy. And I don't think anyone's worried about Josh Giddy's playmaking right now. I'm not saying Jalen Hutchfino is Josh Giddy, um, but I don't think it's the end of the world. And he knows how to reject a screen uh, yeah. to, to kind of scramble the defense a little bit. He is wise beyond his ears and very mature is an offensive player and a defensive player. And I just think if that jump shot goes, like we are talking about in a very high level uh, complimentary player. So it's it's the tough shot making, but it's also, Steven, that the, this guy's playing chess, not checkers out there. And mm -hmm. we, we use that phrase a, a few times every now and then in no ceilings. But this guy, I think Maxwell, he, he knows how to accept screens, reject screens, and he doesn't get caught when somebody tries to, to blitz a screen, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. because he makes one read of the court and he just immediately can just take a snapshot of it. And he knows how every single play can unfold on the court from where the initial snapshot looks like. And those guys who can process the game in that manner, when you have the size and the length and the pull-up shot making ability that he's already showing he has on top of the defense. I mean, Maxwell talked about it uh, off air. He is a nasty defender, Steven. I call him a steals artist. And mm. when you have that excellent of hands, that, that quickness, that length, that anticipation, that whole package, you're kind of built to be able to guard certainly in time one through three in the NBA. 
on top of all the other things we mentioned with his offense. I said a lot of kind words about Anthony Black last week. Look, because I, I want to yep. believe in Anthony Black. I want to believe that he's that type of versatile guard, that that bigger jumbo playmaker who can really burst out and emerge onto the scene in this draft class. But I guess my question for you, while I'll also let you obviously wax poetically about your thoughts on Pochafino, should have I saved a lot of those warm, <laughs> kind words for this guy? Is, is this really the prospect who is more so in that Halliburton, Dyson Daniels type of mold to where, you know, he, he really does live up to a, a lottery, maybe top 10 pick type billing that, that Maxwell tried to speak into the universe a little bit ago. I mean, they're both very similar. And what's crazy is it feels like we have a lot of guards that are built very similarly this year, right? Like a lot of the guards coming into this class are of that 6'5 to 6'7 ilk you know, not necessarily like have the ball on, on the tightest string that we've ever seen, but very efficient, um, use their body. Well, they're not super bursty, you know, Maxwell, that's a, a note that I had to, I've put that he's smooth, not bursty was yeah, one yeah. of the things that I put in my notes. Uh, a lot of guys have this play style this season. And what's crazy is it's like between the guards and we're going to get to some of the forwards later, it's going to make the margin of error for these guys very thin because yep. how like you could just pass up on one and go get another, it feels like this year. But, you know, for, for his, if you know, I have him 27th on my very tentative board right now, Maxwell, I'm not sure where you have him right now. I think that might be honestly the exact same spot. Let's go. Yeah, he's Let's 27 go. for me as well. I'm just <laughs> so perfect. nervous about the shot, but I want it to like, I don't know. To your point, like I think I might be underrating some of the shot making like Nathan talked about in some of those all-star games. What, what, what I said, though, is that so, so you both are putting him in like a late first round yeah. context. Like, Stephen, mm-hmm. I, I, I said to you guys earlier, I think he's going to be a first rounder. If not this year, he would 100% be one in my yes. mind next year. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. I think either, either way you beat around the bush, this guy's a top 30 pick in either the 23 or the 24 draft. So I think where you have him is fair would not shock me if at some point a few weeks after the season starts, you see him in that Indiana construct. He's making everybody else around him better. He's making a lot of those tough pull-up shots to where you're like, we, we can't ignore him. He's going to be in the top 20 and, and keep moving up. So not to like be Debbie Downer here, but you mentioned the Indiana context. And at the yeah. same time, like, isn't there a world where he's playing like 13 minutes a game? And it's like, hey, we love the energy he brings on defense. He provides some nice playmaking, but ultimately he's just not putting the ball in the basket at the same clip and the spacing is brutal and we just do, need do, shooters do you out want there my opinion and... on what I think is going to happen. I do. I, I think this could be an SGA type of situation. I would SGA, love that. Kentucky, that makes me so happy. And the, you know, John Calipari didn't necessarily give him the keys to the offense right away. He kind of had to fit in with everybody else. He saw that the spacing on that team was also terrible. There was too much going on. They tried to feed the ball too much on the inside. Didn't have enough guards outside of SGA to really create efficient offense for everybody else to finally it got to the point where Cal was like, you know what? I'm going to live with some of the shots you take. I'm going to live with some of the decisions you make, but your talent, you're just so much better than all the other options we have on this team. Second half of the year, I'm giving you the keys of the car. Go ahead, drive it, take over, take us to where we need to go. I could see the same thing happen for, for Hood Jafino. And I don't, I don't even know if it would take that long for, for Mike Woodson to go. All right. You, 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 you are the guy in our backcourt, who is the most talented of everybody else. We go where you go. Here's the keys of the car. Go ahead, make it happen. I think it'd be one of those situations, Maxwell. And what's crazy about that scenario is that 
you have a potential like player of the year candidate and Trace Jackson Davis on the squad too, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how Huchifino plays alongside him. But yeah, I'm a big yeah fan. that guy needs somebody who could get him the yeah, ball, right? Set him up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then you get you think about Woodson being the coach, you know, former guard. So there's a lot of things like in play for Huchifino to have a very successful, potentially one and done season. But we talked about his court vision, his athleticism. I love his driving and attacking. The touch around the rim, we already talked about his size. I'm not a super big fan of his ability to attack closeouts. And he has a tendency on defense to kind of play center of of his guy, right? Like he doesn't necessarily try to cut off like part of the court in a lot of the film that I've seen. Um, If you guys have any film that kind of squelches that concern, like please let me know. But a lot of times he plays center of his, of the, the ball handler that he's up against so something that i'm pretty confident that woodson's gonna like coach into him is positioning himself well enough on the defensive end and then you got to sell out on these closeouts too um but again like picking nits here i think that right now he's a first round talent in my opinion obviously i have him 27 just some things that i want to see and then the jump shots got to get there but what's crazy is is like the shot from what i've seen isn't ugly like at, at least from the free throw line um I don't know how you can carry that over to live game three point, you know, range or whatever, but that's something that I got to see him improve on as well. That's what's keeping him as a late first round talent, yep. despite him having the court vision, the ball handling and, and the innate feel that he has in his game. That's the swing skill. If he's making all of those pull-up jumpers, like he did in some of those exhibition games um, d- during the March and April runs, then, then he, he's going to be a lottery pick. I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that. And we could say that about a number of guys that we've talked mm-hmm. about. Eventually we just, we pile on too many names like, Oh, this guy's going to be in the lottery, but no, I, I actually feel that way about Huchifino. He just has the look to me of an NBA player. And, and I think we all kind of agree on that front, whether it happens this year or everything goes wrong, like Maxwell laid out for, for Anthony black and in Arkansas in similar fashion, maybe that happens for Huchifino. Maybe it all doesn't come together right away. He, he's a second-year guy, comes back, has a kick-ass sophomore season, then goes in, in the upper tiers of where we think he can be potentially even this year. So it's a wait-and-see approach. But mm-hmm. I think regardless, I think all three of us are very smart to be on his train early on in, in the year. So we've talked about Amari Bailey and Jalen Huchifino as two guards who we're definitely high on and, and potentially higher on than consensus. I thought I was going to feel that way about JJ Star, the, the Notre Dame guard, six foot four, 195 pounds, 27th overall in the ESPN 100 rankings, 33rd overall on the 24 seven rankings and 40th overall on rivals. He transferred and ultimately played at La Lumiere his last two seasons in high school. Who's a Nike EYBL standout in 2021 has the look of one of those combo scoring guards who can light it up night in, night out, coming to the lineup, give you 20-plus points per game, one of those perimeter-oriented pull-up jump shooters, everything looks smooth as butter when it's going right, has a good first step, can make things happen off the bounce a little bit. But when you actually sit down and you watch some of the full game tape, not the highlights, it all kind of falls apart a little bit, right? I mentioned good first step, not an elite one, and he's not the bounciest guard in the class, meaning he can get met at the rim for some block shots, right? So that that's one area of concern at the rim finishing 
I'm already a little bit concerned because of the angles that he takes as well as how high he actually gets up off the ground. And Oh, by the way, 195 pounds that that's pretty good for a freshman yeah. guard, but it's not, it's not the 215 220 that we might want to see when he gets to the NBA level and that type of finishing, you know, through contact or in traffic, that's a little bit of a different story, right? Doesn't appear to have a ton of wiggle has a good handle and he can get guys off balance, but the, the shiftiness and wiggle to match for me, it isn't there leading for him to settle for a lot of those jump shots. That's really where he gets himself in trouble. He's a little too quick to pull that jump shot trigger. If his scoring package comes together, right? He could be one of the better combo options in this freshman class. Like I talked about earlier, but that, that selfishness wanting to score the basketball, not looking to set up his teammates, I don't really see a lot of good passing vision from him. I don't like that he's more of a 2-1 right now than a 1-2. And we talk about these combo guards, these guys who are 2-1s, but they're not like 6-5, with these massive arms and, and more built to play the two guard than the one guard. These guys who are, you know, two guards trapped in a one's body. How many times does that honestly work out in the NBA unless you are like a special, special scorer? I don't think JJ Starling is a special, special scorer. So, I mean, we, we talked plenty of no ceilings about some of the concerns we had with Blake Wesley last year mm-hmm. in Notre Dame, right? Yet, yet Blake Wesley, I feel like was able to answer the bell more often than not to boost his draft stock. Because I think there were some point guard skills there with him, at least more than what I've seen from the preseason tape for JJ Starling. And that to me is a much bigger difference where I might be more comfortable with JJ Starling's pull-up shooting at this point of the process than I was Blake Wesley. I trust a lot more of everything else that Blake Wesley does on the offensive end. And Oh, by the way, he might be light years ahead of JJ Starling on the defensive side of the ball too. So there, there are some real concerns with somebody who could be an exciting prospect, but Steven, I from, from what we were talking about before the podcast, I know that, you have some concerns too. So do they kind of match up with the, with some of the things that I've said? Do you have some other concerns? Why, why are you a little bit down on Starling? Yeah. So right now I have him 68th on my like way too, <laughs> way too early board. And, um, and maybe that's my of... fault. Maybe I shouldn't have put him in the top freshman part two <laughs> podcast. Maybe I should have saved him. I, I thought I no, was going to be are, higher on him. People are people, talking about people him in like this him. Air. Yeah. Yes. People, people like him a lot. So I don't think that it's like, we're saying that they're in this category. It's more like, let's break down some of the freshmen that you're probably hearing a lot about coming into this year. And there are a lot of uh, people that like Starling, you know, he's a darling in their eyes, like little rhyme there. Sorry about that. Um, (laughs) Anyway, um, there are some things that I do like about his game, albeit they're kind of brief. I like his shot release. I think it's really quick. I think that, you know, if he can tone up the efficiency a lot, that can really help his draft stock a lot because he can really get that thing up there in a hurry. Maybe that's why the efficiency isn't there. Maybe that does kind of slow down a tad bit if he can actually start get it, if he can get it start falling a little bit more. And I do like his ability to kind of like prod his way into the paint. He's kind of slithery a little bit from the film that I watched, but here are my improvement areas. Holds on to the ball a a little too much. The finishing through contact, I'm not really in love with. The shot efficiency, he's easy to get taken advantage of on the defensive end. You were talking about like how Wesley is light years ahead of him as a defender. You're not joking. Uh, His shot selection kills me and he dies on screens. Like absolutely dies whenever someone sets a, a, 
just a salt, like an average to solid screen, not like a Steven Adams level screen or anything like that. But <laughs> if there's someone in his way, he's just like, nah, let's just switch this out real quick. Um, he likes his shot a lot, but I do like, again, we're talking, I talked about the shot release, his ability to poke and prod his way into the lane. He does have a very strong build. Like if he gets up to 220, like that's going to be scary. I think it's 6'4", almost 200 pounds. I think that his build right now is really solid um, coming into his freshman season. But there's just so many questions that I have of him, Nathan. And the way that you put like that, he's a 2-1, not a 1-2 at his, at his size, that kind of like sums it up perfectly because you don't want this guy creating or running your offense. He's just a natural born gunner. And it seems like Notre Dame just loves these type of players, maybe because that's just like the type of players that they're able to, that they're able to get. But mm -hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of legitimate concerns that I have for his game. I hope, I'm, like I say this all the time, I hope I'm wrong. I want everyone to be, a, you know, first round draft pick. We, we all we're do. talking about him. Yeah, we all want these dudes to succeed. But, you know, just keeping it a buck, I, I don't have him as a top 60 guy, albeit there are a lot of people that do. Maxwell, I don't want this to, to turn into a shit parade for, for, yeah, yeah, for yeah. Starling because we do want all of these guys to succeed. But I, mm -hmm. along with you giving your overall take on them, we've laid out multiple concerns. Is there one thing in particular that you can look at with Starling where if you see, you know, significant development in that area throughout the, the start of the season in Notre Dame through to the end, there's one thing that could maybe change your mind about his prospects for maybe being in the first round pick conversation in the NBA, what's, what's like the biggest thing that stands out to you? So the biggest one I would say is playmaking. Cause I yeah. think right now, like in my note, I put like subtle hints of playmaking to his game. Mm. It's like when you eat an appetizer and you're like, Ooh, is there a little bit of ginger in here? Like that's like when his playmaking <laughs> is right now. It's like one of those things where it's like, Oh, all right. Like that, that's, that's a nice read. Um, but it's just not a consistent thing for him yet. And I think that he has a good first step, but he's got like, some decent footwork to get to the basket. I think the biggest difference, like him and Blake Wesley are going to get comped a lot because they both play at Lulamir. Yeah. They both are going to Notre Dame and they're both kind of combo guards. Blake Wesley Guilty is as charged. I already did it. I apologize. Well, yeah, no, but it's, it's everybody. <laughs> it's like, you cannot read about him without seeing like a Blake Wesley comp. And Blake Wesley was so blazing fast that he just got into the paint at will. And Sarong, like that's just not going to be an option for him. But like Steven said, his body is like really well put together. And I think that given his strength, his power, and some of the footwork that we've seen, if he can just keep his head up more consistently, I think there's a way for him to get into the paint at a, at a decent clip and then make those passing reads. And if the shot falls at a respectable level at that point, you're looking at somebody who has a really professional body and can, can be efficient at a couple levels and do some stuff on offense that maybe negates the fact that he's small. And I do think his motor is good. Like he, mm. he's a willing screen setter and things like that. So I think that there's a chance that like Blake Wesley, he could be a guy where like, if he's having games where it's just like, oh man, my shot isn't falling. He could really key in on D and kind of bring that element to the game and say, Hey, you know what? Like I realize I don't have it going right now. So I'm just going to try and add to, to what my team's doing on this side of the floor and really devote my energy and focus to that. I, I like, I feel like all that's fairly realistic. I, I don't, I don't think it all comes together for him this year. Like to me, he, he just kind of seems like there's, there's just too many little pieces that need to come along. I think it's possible they do. Um, but to me, I think that the playmaking would be the biggest thing that could really swing it for him. If it, if it all comes together, I would guess it's that. And, and, and to go along with the playmaking point, the last thing that I'll talk about before we move on with him, 
one of the things that I wrote about in my scouting tips column for, scar- for guards this week is you have to be a threat in the paint. But really what, what I wrote that goes along with that point is the, the idea of taking the space, right? And it's one thing to be able to take space and have the ability to do so, which Starling does to a degree, right? He's, he's not the most explosive guard we have in the class, but some of what you talked about, Maxwell, he can take space. The question is, what do you do with that space once you take it? And if the split between scoring versus passing is a 90 to 10 split, that's a problem. That's, no, mm. not, that's not going to win you any battles in the NBA. And so I'm not sure if it's a question of, does he have any semblance of the necessary vision to make plays for others at the college level and even up to the NBA level? I think it's more of a matter of, you know, reconfiguring his mindset a little bit to where I'm going to be more decisive on how I take this space and what I look to do with it versus I'm going to come to this jump shot or I'm going to set up, you know, the, the step back and I'm going to lure out the defense or I'm going to throw somebody off balance. Am I only trying to score the basketball or am I trying to make the best play available to me? If somebody is cutting along the baseline, if you've got somebody at the dunker spot, if you've manipulated and worked off a screen wall and you come off the other side, you've accepted it, you got the role man in position. Are you going to actually hit your man with the ball where they need it? Or are you just going to look to get your own offense every single chance you get? And right now, like I said, it's more of that 90 to 10 split. I want to see that become a lot more diversified at Notre Dame. So Maxwell, I would 100% agree with you. The playmaking is the area that needs to come along for him even more so than the defense, because some of these guards are just going to suck at defense. Once they get to the NBA level, I talk about it. I feel like every single true, damn podcast yeah. I talk about it, but it's, it's true, but you have to be more than just a microwave scorer if you want to be a first round pick and really earn enough minutes at the NBA level. So let's, let's see a little bit more diversification in his playmaking. All right. That's enough of the guards. We're going to move on to some of the wings. Grady Dick going to Kansas, six foot eight, 205 pound wing, two time Gatorade player of the year in Kansas, averaged 17.9 points per game and 5.2 rebounds while shooting 51% from the field, 47% from three point range at Sunrise Christian Academy. I, I don't care what level of basketball you're playing. If you're shooting 47% from three, you can probably knock down a few jumpers, right? <laughs> Member of the 2021 Team USA U18 three by three gold medal team. He was a McDonald's All-American, 14th in the ESPN 100, 19th for 24-7 sports and 27th for rivals. I, I would consider him to be the best shooter in the class off the catch and off the move. I, I don't think that's up for too much of a debate. Consistent mechanics, balanced shots, squares up. Same shot prep every single time. Shoots well over defenders. Closeouts don't bother his shot. He can attack closeouts along the baseline. He can finish around the basket when he gets there. Can he consistently finish around the basket, though, and weave through defenders when we talk about in traffic, right? Is he as deadly of a threat once he gets two feet in the paint as he is beyond the arc? Will he be able to make quick decisions off a live dribble to keep the ball moving? And can he hold up defensively against similar sized players? That to me is, is a big question regarding his defense as well. Or is he better off physically guarding down? And if he's better off physically guarding down, can he actually move his feet well enough to keep up with those quicker wings and guards? So I got some real defensive questions, but there's no doubt, Stephen, regardless of what may come from his defense, 
the NBA is always looking for six, eight shooters. So he's going to have a home in the NBA. I feel like regardless, I don't think he's going to fall out of any sort of a top 60 for all the questions we had about Caleb Houston. That man still ended up getting drafted in the second round, right? He wasn't a first mm-hmm. round guy anymore, but he got drafted early on in the second round by the magic. Now he has a contract with them. So it's not the end of the world, even if he's not a top 30 guy. So where are you kind of at with Grady Dick, Steven? Do you think a lot of the shooting and the offense can outweigh some of those other concerns? Where are you overall at on him in your rankings? And what are your thoughts on Grady Dick? So right now on my board, I have him 33rd. You know, I'm kind of flirting with a late first. few guys that I like ahead of him, but he's kind of in a similar tier, I would, I would say, as some late first round talents. It just kind of depends on what you're looking for, I guess, in a player. But obviously the shooting is what's going to draw people to his game. Um, one of the best shooters in the class, like you mentioned, one note that I have is like he has a tendency to like to fall away on his jumpers a little bit. And uh, I don't know if that's something that he's just like a high school, you know, uh, superstar and he's just trying to see what he can kind of get away with. But I would like to see him tighten that up just a little bit. Um, and he works really hard to get open looks. I mean, if you look at the film and the teams that he's played for, He's running off of a couple of different types of screens and uh, is really good at kind of setting up the defender into getting a lot of separation for himself on some jump shots. So that's going to be something that teams are looking for. The but thing how, that how many I, guys at his level, though, are also run off of all those screens and yet they're still balanced enough when they come off of it? They square themselves up every single time yep. immediately off the catch and they have the same type of shot prep that he does off the move. Like, I don't think people realize how hard that actually is, right? When you're you're running around like JJ Redick and you're running like miles and miles during a game and you still have the legs and you still have the discipline to be able to prepare yourself the same way every single time. I love that you pointed that out, Stephen, because we do see a lot of that from Grady Dick and that that's what could really separate himself as a shooter in this class from, from a lot of his other peers. Yeah. And if you want to take it in that, to that next step though, Nathan, this is what, kind of some of my criticisms come in is what does he do when teams are completely selling out on his shooting ability? That's mm-hmm. kind of like where my concerns are. And that's why I have him out kind of outside the first round for right now is because I'm not super in love with this handle. I don't think that is the worst thing in the world, but I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not like, let's, let's see what the kids got out on the, on the perimeter to try I, to break I think someone it, down. I think it depends where the closeout's coming from. Yeah. I think if he's camped in the corner and he can attack the close closeout along the baseline and get to the basket, like I said, I think you can do that. If you're asking him to do the same thing from the wing, where mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot more traffic in the painted area. I agree with you. That's a totally different mm-hmm. story. And then the passing too. I, I think he's got okay passing. I, I, I think that, there's several different camps where people tend to put players in terms of passing is like, they're either great, they're good, or they're terrible. Like, I think he's just a serviceable passer, like a, like an okay ball mover. But if you want to look at him as like a, you know, let's just do the boring thing and compare him to other white NBA players, you know, like a Kevin Herter, you trust Herter to put the ball on the ground and make a decision, right? Like that's not where I'm at with Grady Dick. Who's the better passer between Grady Dick and Caleb Houston? I kind of like Caleb Houston. I like passing. Caleb Houston too. I the, okay, yeah. I I was like, is this a weird opinion? No, I actually jump, think he's a sneaky good passer. I was not ready for though. that. I was not ready for that comp. But yeah, I mean, the the passing there is is where I'm at. And then on his drives, he's a bit too wild for me, and he could be a bit too trigger happy on his shots. But again, I just think that's him being a superstar on his team. I think that tones down a lot whenever he goes to play at Kansas. 
Um, and another thing, we're talking about the defense. I think that he wants to be a good defender. Like, when I watch him play, it's not like he's taking plays off. I think that he wants to be, like, a reliable, switchable defender to go out to these quicker guys and also be able to play up against some bigger body players. I think that he has that desire. Yeah. So it'll be interesting just to see kind of like how that develops throughout the year. Maxwell, I, I want you to specifically comment more about the the passing differences between him and Caleb Houston because I think mm-hmm. I think that's a very noteworthy comparison to make. And that I trusted Caleb much more as a I passer, really and I yeah. thought I trusted him much more off the bounce doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. We thought that there was going to be some pick and roll creativity a little bit to unlock with Caleb Houston, but man, that guy could not turn the corner, right? That guy could not turn the corner off the no. screen and couldn't do Mm-mm. a damn thing when he got to the basket to try and finish off of some of those plays. And I, I wonder, are we going to be looking at an even worse version of that with Grady Dick potentially, if some of that passing isn't even there, right? Like if they know, yeah. if they know that Grady Dick's getting downhill and he's going to try to finish it at the basket and he doesn't have a little more creativity to, to move the ball where it needs to go, teams are going to be able to sell out on that pretty quick and potentially even stuff them worse than, than how they stuffed Caleb Houston at the basket last year. So I think, I think what Grady Dick has going for him in that regard is I think he's a little bit more wiggly through his hips than Caleb Houston is. So I think he'll be able to do a little bit better, potentially getting through traffic off the baseline. But to your point about him on the wing or at the top of the key, I do not like his handle there. Like he, he doesn't separate one-on-one, but if he meets a little bit of resistance when he's attacking from like, yeah, like elbow extended up, um, his handle can get really far away from his body. And I do not like when he gets stuck, like when he gets stuck or meets resistance, it just like everything kind of shuts down for him. Like it's instead of just like, Oh, well I surveyed the court and I know I've got this guy here. So I'm just going to kick it to him. That does not happen. It's a lot of like, Ooh, now I'm over dribbling. You're like, oops, I picked up my dribble and I, I don't know where anyone else is on the court. And now I'm getting swarmed. Like I am not crazy about his decision-making. Um, I think that he's a better elevator than Caleb Houston as well. I think he, he's got some, some sneaky jumping Does have ability. a little more bounce. You yeah. have to say sneaky because he's a white guy. Um, Obligatory sneaky but, athlete. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, like he had some like nice putbacks in some of the games that I saw. Um, so, yeah, I, I think my concern with him is mostly just like what he does off the dribble and how he handles closeouts. Because like the, the one thing that stuck out to me more than – two things that really stuck out with at the McDonald's game to me with him. The first was how much other players respect his gravity. I've yep. never seen such frantic, dramatic closeouts in my life <laughs> is when that guy gets the ball. Like people act like it's an emergency situation when that guy has the open catch. Like he is such a knockdown shooter. And he, it was like one of those games where he didn't play well, but I came away being like, Oh man, that guy's good. Like the shots didn't go, but it's like, you just see what he adds on the court with that gravity. It's, it's something special. Um, but the other thing that stuck out to me at that game was I thought he looked more like a kid than anybody else on the court from a mm-hmm. physical standpoint. I do not buy the 205 pound weight listing for a second. Um, he is really, really thin. And that's something that kind of concerns me about his defense. Yep. Um, but I will say like his nose for the ball on defense is pretty great. Um, if there's a bad pass, he'll go pick it off. If there's a loose ball, he'll dive on the ground for it. If someone gets sloppy with their handle, he'll, he'll put his hand in there. Um, he gets a lot of steals. And I think that his just kind of willingness to engage and get his hands dirty on that side is going to go a long way. 
Uh, but I do worry a lot about him guarding up, and I am not crazy about his feet laterally on that end. Is he somebody up. you can target on defense? Because I kind of feel like he is. I think he is with smaller players right now. I don't know that I think he will always be that. Okay. I think I think there's ways around it for him. Okay. A Baylor matchup for him is going to be kind of scary. Yeah, that's he, yeah. listen, him him We're going to find Kansas, out. We're going to find out for sure. He's yep. got a lot of tough tests here. He has he has Baylor, he's got Texas, Texas Tech, Texas the, the, guards, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, there are going to be some interesting matchups to see what exactly he's got in his bag from a defensive standpoint. But we know offensively the way the guy shoots the ball, he's a flamethrower. He'll he'll find a way in the NBA in some form or fashion. It's just a matter of how high can he climb in the draft mm-hmm. and, and on our board. So we will see. Speaking of somebody who is kind of in the, the middle of the pack in regards to a top 30 for the ESPN 100, but I think he's really crept up some people's draft boards of late. And when you actually go back and watch some of the tape and you, and you watch some of his performances in these exhibition games that we talk about, the McDonald's game, um, you, all of a sudden you start to see why people are favoring Brandon Miller as somebody who could maybe challenge for a top 10 pick slot in the 2023 NBA draft. Number 13 in the ESPN top 100. As I mentioned, he was a McDonald's All-American, two-time Gatorade player of the year in Tennessee. He averaged 24.1 points per game, eight and a half rebounds, 4.3 assists, and 2.3 steals for Cane Ridge High School during his senior season. That's a pretty complete stat line. That's nifty. He attended the Nike Elite 100, Pangos All-American, NBPA top 100 camps. He also was a Nike EYBL standout. I wrote down some of the notes. Prototypical combo forward who can stretch the floor and defend multiple positions. Confident that his catch and shoot game will keep improving, especially from the corners. Likes to live beyond uh, the arc at the top of the court. Can take guys off the bounce and is capable of finishing when he gets all of the way to the rim, but still needs to work on improving his handle. A little stiff Mm. on the move. That shows up in his dribble drive game. Can put together a combination move and a step back but it doesn't always feel natural for him. And that's, that's something that I definitely talk about on multiple podcasts. What does it look like when you set up the shot? Does it look natural, right? Or does it look uncomfortable? Underrated decision maker though, and can really hit some clean, hard passes, even on the move. Defensive playmaker, one of the best shot blockers in this class at his size, along with somebody like a Dylan Mitchell. And I trust him the most guarding one through four. I think out of potentially anybody in the class because of his feet, his discipline and his anticipation. So I talked about a lot of positives. I threw a few negatives out there, but really the biggest thing that would hit, or at least that I would think would hit for our audience when I start out by saying prototypical combo forward, that's whatever everybody in the NBA seems to be looking for nowadays. Right? Mm -hmm. Like Maxwell, how does somebody like a Brandon Miller ultimately not stand out apart from some of his peers. If he's knocking down these jump shots, if he's hitting 38 to 40% of his corner threes, if he's guarding almost everyone on the court, if he's making some of these live dribble passes that we've seen him make in some of these other games, like what would fall apart for, for his case? Like what, 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 what are the positives for you? What are the negatives from you? Where, where are you at on Brandon Miller right now? Yeah. So the film is like kind of weird on, on Brandon Miller. Um, I, I've like gone back and forth on him a lot. So at the McDonald's game, I came out of it really high on him. Um, and at that game, like he showed some real bounce. He showed some craft getting to the basket. He had like a nasty Euro step to get to the rim in that game too. Uh, the passing was on full display. The defense looked pretty good. Um, 
And then like when I went back into the film, all of a sudden I, I felt like I was just running into a lot of questions. He settles a lot. He doesn't get all the way to the rim a lot. His three point jumper isn't a consistent tool yet. So it's like, okay, well, is he just a guy who's like six, eight and has the ball and takes a lot of mid range shots. And if he is, there's a world where that can get kind of dicey. Uh, he's going to be playing on an Alabama team that already has a lot of guys that like to handle the ball on it. Uh, especially that, when that's why I think Quinterly the corner shooting is going to be really important for him. Like, can he yeah. be a guy who spaces the corners at an efficient rate to where you're looking at his shot and he might not be that guy who sets everything up off the bounce. Cause he needs to certainly keep developing his handle. But if you can at least find a place for him to be on the floor offensively to where he's not a detriment to your team so that you can take advantage of everything else he does defensively. I think that's really what we're going to be looking for. That's a great point you made about, you know, having to share the rock for, for multiple ball handlers, that Alabama offense. Yeah. And I, but like I said, the film is weird and it's weird and it's positive ways too. Um, if you watch the games that he played, not with his grassroots team, but with his high school team, he like played center on defense, which I, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, it's kind of frustrating. Cause like, you don't really get a feel for what he can do. And it's like, I kind of like it. Like, like if you watch him in these other games, it's definitely built like helped his anticipation and like his nose for rim protection and things I like, like that. I like it too. High school center is yeah. a little bit different, but you still, you still do like to see it because if he's showing that same activity, mm-hmm. if he's able to, to operate different coverages from that specific position at the high school level, you figure some of the mo- more interesting parts to it can come alive in the college game, particularly when we talk about defensive playmaking, I mentioned his ability to block shots and meet people at the rim. Like that's mm-hmm. pretty special for, yeah. for somebody his size and some of the best in the class. Like th- those are real things to develop and take advantage of at the high school level that can translate to college. And the other, the other thing with his high school games, again, as opposed to the grassroots, like in the grassroots games, he shows a lot of cool stuff, but the high school games are just fascinating to me because he gets swarmed every single play. He basically is playing center on defense and having to manage like being a rim protector, being that last line of defense. And on offense, he's dribbling the ball up the court and just getting absolutely hounded by the other team. And because that it sort of forced him to develop as a playmaker as well. And then you see it in the grassroots games where it's a little more natural for him to just react like, oh, I'm getting double teamed. This is what I do. Um, I, I do think that if the shot doesn't go, um, it can it could get kind of weird. Uh, the defensive effort does come and go in a lot of those grassroots games too um when he is on the wing so like if he has a defensive season where he's not totally tuned in and he's not hitting threes and he's not getting all the way to the basket and he's just like an inefficient mid-range scorer who doesn't play defense like the case gets really weird um but i think the opposite side of that is like what if he becomes a more efficient Bryce McGowan's who can pass play defense. And it's like, well, then he's a top five pick. Like the, yeah, the, Nathan the loves of, him at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the range of outcomes <laughs> is crazy. Like if he, if he's willing to get to the rim and the three is falling, like all of a sudden he is a very complete offensive player uh, with great size. It's six, eight. Uh, so I think he's one of like the, the true wide range of outcomes guys in this class. I hope he hits because it'd be very fun if he does. Uh, but I, I do just kind of have some some skepticism uh, regarding his aggressiveness on offense and in the outside shot. If anyone ever wants to butter me up, they can just mention Bryce McGowan's, and I'm sure we'll have a fantastic <laughs> yeah. conversation. But Stephen, go ahead, d- jump in here because I'm I'm very fascinated to hear where you have Brandon Miller because I feel like in some respects this is a guy who's right up your alley. And in other respects, I could see you like not liking some of the parts of his game at all. So I'm curious of where do you kind of meet in the middle? You too high on him, you too low, like where are you at? 
I, I don't think I have ever been more lukewarm, but in the, the <laughs> best way on a player, like if that makes sense, like I want him to do so well. I have him 20th on my board right now. And I have gone back like this is a player that Nathan, like how you're saying, like it feels like he is the type of dude that I would be like all over. He's like feels like he should be my player type. And I watch him more and more and more. I've landed at 20 because there's part of me that like wants to believe more of the positives that I see in his game than I do of the negatives. Right. So some of the things that I like, Nathan, you, you mentioned the, the shot blocking. Love that. That was the first thing that I put in my notes is like he's going to be a tremendous weak side help defender and even just a straight up defender in some possessions too is very strong. I love him as a lob threat as well. And he has a frame to put on some really good, some way, like when this dude is NBA ready, he's going to be a freak of nature as far as like just being a physical specimen uh, improvement areas, you know, Maxwell, you, you mentioned the shooting consistency. I'm a little worried about the, the handle and passing consistency at the next level a little bit just because he's going to be going to Alabama and he's going to be playing next to guys like Quinterly and Burnett and Mark Sears. Um, he's going to be sharing the paint with Betty Ako. So I'm a little bit worried about like, we're, we're going to find out how good of a playmaker and, and, uh, you know, just set up artists that he can be for other people at the next level. Um, passing consistency. I just mentioned that the playing, he plays with his hands down a little too much for my liking to, in a lot of possessions, especially in the McDonald's game. I saw him kind of just like standing there waiting for the play to come to him, and then he would respond. I just think like being in a denial stance or a help stance would help him out a lot. And then just a couple of notes I took. He can get caught standing around a little bit too much, but I do love, Nathan, you pointed this out. He should be very, very versatile. I think that you pointed out being a one through four defender. I'm more of like the two through four, but and that's not a slight. I think that there are so many really good NBA level players that live in that two to four range that are like top of the line defenders. So I don't know if I would necessarily buy him on a lot of ones, but definitely two through four. I think that he could, you know, make a big name for himself uh, defending those types of players. Somebody who I think fits the mold of your more traditional wing a little bit better than Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller, you could even categorize him more as a forward, right? Like a four, three. Mm -hmm. Chris Livingston is more of that three, two type of win. We are definitely going to see him living on the wings, six, six, 220 pounds, powerful, powerful player. Number 10 on rivals, number 11 on the 24 seven rankings and number 12 in the ESPN top 100 average 18.2 points per game, 9.1 rebounds, 3.9 assists and 1.9 steals as a senior at Oak Hill McDonald's all American Georgia brand classic selectee Gatorade player of the year in Ohio during his junior season. This guy, I, I mentioned powerful. He is a strong downhill driver capable of taking and finishing through contact. Right-hand dependent, right? Very, very right-hand yep. dependent. He's shown a few signs of going to and uses his left a little bit more when you actually get in some of the games. The exhibition stuff, though, like when we talk about the McDonald's game, Jordan Brand, I didn't see him go to his left once. So it's, it's probably a comfort thing he really has to continue to work on. Confident score around the basket and can rise and throw down with the best of them. Dribble can get a little weird at times, more of yep. a power wing than showing anything with finesse. Loves going to the dribble jumper fading right, but settles forward a little too much for my liking. I would like to see him mix in a few other moves when it comes to scoring off the bounce, but uh, going back to the handle really needs to develop more there to take advantage. Obviously when he's able to get balanced to rise off two dribbles, the shot looks good. He gets good elevation 
guide hand is in a great spot, follows through on one smooth motion. That's off the bounce, though. A little stiff shooting off the catch. Mechanics is on his pull-up are fine, but he isn't nearly as quick and confident from the corners. Needs to improve his efficiency there to take advantage of his baseline driving and finishing ability. Not a ton of passing to speak of. Kind of a catching, catching quick shooter score mentality. Capable defender on the wing and has the strength to guard up. Will he have the discipline to avoid getting in foul trouble depending on who or how he has to guard at Kentucky? So obviously, Stephen, there are some things that I like with him. There are some things that I certainly dislike. I really want to buy into Chris Livingston because I think the guys who play like him and their games look like him, they tend to succeed more often than not in the NBA. But I really wonder if he's going to live up to Kentucky expectations. Mm. There, there are some parts to his game that I just laid out where I don't know if he feels like a Kentucky player. I think sometimes too much of the offense might have to revolve around him to succeed. And then if he doesn't show some of that defensive discipline, he might be one of those guys where Cal's just like, screw this. I'm yanking you from the lineup. I'm going to put somebody in who's not making the same mistakes you are. I don't know how the Kentucky part of the experiment is going to go. I think that he could certainly entice enough NBA scouts to get drafted and maybe drafted in a better position than what his play at Kentucky would indicate. Are, are you kind of expecting a, a roller coaster for him in college or are you buying more of the dip, at least at, at the college level, the, than I might be initially? You know, it's weird, Nathan. Uh, it feels like because he's going to Kentucky, maybe I don't know if this is like premeditated on his part, but you know that there's going to be people who be like, yeah, well, he played at Kentucky. Like those dudes always have more to their game than what they show on the court. Like, I don't know if that's like a premeditated decision of Livingston when he made that commitment to go play for coach Cal at Kentucky. But, but, but those guys who generally have more than they showed to their games, they're able to, to lean back on some of those other skills to where mm -hmm. they're able to blend in with the other guys around them. And I, I wonder if Livingston has the skill set to be able to, to blend in as some of these other guys have had to, I, I don't know if it's going to come together for him. Yeah, and it's really weird because we talked about this last week with uh, Case and Wallace where you got Severe Wheeler, you're going to have Wallace, you're going to have Toppin, you're going to have Shibway. I don't know if Livingston is going to be one of these guys that if he's in the starting lineup, that's really going to scare the defense from deep. I have in my notes, though, that the shot isn't perfect, but it, it is a threat. Yep. I mean, that's kind of like the best way that I've looked at it right now. Um, he's not a sniper, but I think that he's going to be a respectable shooter which is really going to help out Kentucky help. a lot. Um, he is an aggressive and decisive ball handler, but I don't think that the handle, like the level of handle that he has, I don't think that it's there in terms of like when he makes a decision on where he wants to go and he can be really aggressive with it. I think that his mind kind of outraces his body a little bit in terms of when he attacks the defense. His, and, his handle isn't tight enough to the point where I want him having more volume on the offensive side. Correct. That's where I'm, that's where I'm living too. And I, I, but I do like his help defense a lot too. And that's going to be something that I think Kentucky okay. might be, might be a really strong defensive team this year. I mean, Kaysen, uh, he looks like he's going to be a stout defender. Livingston, I think, you know, as like a help rotation defender, I like him a lot. And then obviously, you know, guys like Toppin and Sheway, I think that they're going to look good too. Um, some improvement areas. I would like to see him set up other people. Um, a little bit better and we saw that when he played with other stars and some you know McDonald's games or 
you know, EYBL, things like that. I would like for him to get guys a little bit more involved, and hopefully he can do that. His straight-up man-to-man defense, I think, leaves a little bit to be desired. He has a propensity to get into foul trouble pretty quickly. Um, some, just some miscellaneous notes that I took. It looks like he might be able to play some two through four, so I'm interested to see if Cal can get a little creative with the lineups that he puts out there. I like his body control, and again, the shot isn't perfect, but I do believe that it can be a threat in time. Maxwell, where where are you at on the 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 Chris Livingston experience as we head into Kentucky this year? Yeah, I'm I'm in a similar place here with a lot of these guys. Where I, I do think there are a couple different tales as far as how it can go. I feel like my evaluation of him is like a lot different than than where you guys are at right now. Really? Yeah. E- explain. Yeah. So the first thing I, I just want to like throw out there is an anecdote about him is I was watching my like first exposure to him was uh I just was watching TV one day, saw on ESPN two, there was a game with Oak Hill and they were playing vertical Academy. This was Mikey Williams mm-hmm. is at and Mikey Williams like was not playing. Um, and Chris Livingston had like 35 points. Like he was just dominant. And my wife came in the room and she, and like, I was watching for Chris Livingston specifically. And she was like, Oh, like how is the player that you're watching? And I was like, I have no idea if he's good or not. He's just like <laughs> dominating these children. Um, but yeah, he he's really determined with the ball and he loves to get to the rack and he tries really hard to get there when he's keyed in offensively. I to your point about him settling, I feel like that that does happen at times. He does love that little like fadeaway move and it drives me nuts. Uh but I feel like for the most part, he's just trying to get to the rim. Um mm-hmm. I like how he gets low to drive. I like his ability to change directions. I love his frame and his physicality. Um, and I, I know that you guys are like, oh, like the passing and not getting guys involved. I think there are some really impressive flashes of interior passing from him when the defense okay. overcommits and he gets to the basket. It's very just baseline. Like that sure. is something that you should expect, but I think it's good enough that it gives me some real optimism about him being able to expand on that and, and make better reads. Um, as he gets older, it gets more experience and, and gets used to like having to make tougher passes. Cause like right now it's, it's very easy for him at the high school level, um, to just know like, oh, I can just pass it to the big guy and it's there. Um, I do really worry about the defense. Like you guys touched on the foul issues. I also think there's other plays too, where like someone will just kind of like get right by him or he'll be in the vicinity. Kind of like I mentioned with Kalel Ware last week, where it's like, oh, you could have contested that and said, you're just like, ah, mm-hmm. all right, that's fine. Like it's, it's very like wishy-washy. It's either way too over-aggressive, way too like just trying to, to rack up a stat or it's way too passive. So I think the defensive consistency needs to be better. Yep. And like you mentioned, the, the right-hand dominance is rough. Like there are plays where even if he gets the path all the way to the basket on the left side of the basket, like he'll still just opt for the He tries to scoop finish. it up with for, the right, like, like for me no trying reason. to finish at the basket on a basketball court where I can do absolutely <laughs> nothing with my left hand and I still try and scoop it up with my right. Like mm-hmm. Chris Livingston should not be doing what, what I'm doing on a basketball court he's, he's far too yeah. talented for that but yeah it can that can be really frustrating but i i actually really like his his playmaking and i i think the handle is a little better than than you guys are making okay. it out to be but and i like how he can slam on the brakes to create space too like there will be times where instead of going to that fadeaway he'll just get a couple steps and then just slam on the brakes and, and go to a pull up and he'll get some good room that way so i i'm pretty optimistic about what he's going to be able to do as as a playmaker but where do you I, have I, him on your board right now? Right now he is at 23. So he's not I have like, him at 31. Yeah. Yeah. So like he's behind Brandon Miller. Um, but I think that it could go really right. I do worry, like you guys have said though, at Kentucky, you're already starting with two non-shooters with with Shibwe 
and severe Wheeler on the court. And then if Toppin's not shooting, like there's just a lot of ways where he mm-hmm. could rotationally find himself in a pinch. Um, yeah, I just, it, I just don't know if he's going to have but... the same freedom to do a lot of the things that you like that, that he yeah. can do Maxwell. Like he's well, going to and... have to probably play a different role. And can he yeah. play that role? Yeah. That's, that's my big hang up with like, that's like why he's like 23 for me, not in the top, top 20. Sure. Cause if I felt good about, how the roster construction was going to lend itself to what he already does. Well, I'd be a lot more optimistic, but like, I'm talking like I, the biggest thing I'm harping on is like, he's really good at getting to the rim and like the paint's going to be real clocked and, yep. and people are going to be able to help really far off of Savio Wheeler. So it it's, it's an interesting fit that that could prove to be uh pretty uh, overwhelming for him. All right, Steven, we're heading back to Arkansas. It's Woo Pig time. (laughs) Jordan Walsh, the Arkansas new wing slash forward, six foot seven, 200 pounds, consensus top 25 player, McDonald's All-American, Jordan Brand Classic selectee, 2022 Max Preps Missouri Basketball Player of the Year, average 15.3 points per game, 7.2 rebounds, 3.1 assists for Link Academy during his senior season. Rangy combo forward with some interesting perimeter skill mixed in with the physical tools of a power forward. Long limbs, quick hands, can make plays in the passing lanes or disrupt his opponent's dribble 1v1. Not top tier athletically in the class, but bouncy enough at his size to finish a variety of dunks with ease given his length. Good hands to rebound and catch passes on the move or around the basket for easy finishes. Unselfish on the move, will absolutely make the dump off pass if he sees the defense collapsing to get somebody else to score. Good footwork on drives to sidestep, make guys miss. Has the release point and follow through on his jumper to lead me to believe there's more to work with. I don't love the lower body mechanics, but I think those can be ironed out to where he squares up better to knock down shots more consistently. The pull-up jumper really what we talk about more along the lines of the mechanics. That to me could be a major swing skill. Um, He can get to those shots, but he's not always balanced enough, nor do I always sense the confidence that that is needs to be there for him to hit more of those shots. So Steven, you're the Arkansas guy. I just laid out a really intriguing profile for somebody who you feel like he checks a lot of boxes, but I don't know. I, I don't, I don't get the same, you know, comfortable feeling that it's all going to come together for him in Arkansas. And this guy's going to live up to some of the top 25 buzz that he's gotten on other people's boards. I, I can't really put my finger on what seems off, but this is a player who I've actually had a tougher time uh, evaluating through this process. And I haven't mentioned that with anybody else as of yet. I feel like a lot of these other prospect cases we've laid out, we've all certainly given our perspectives on what we think is going to happen with them and how their, their year in college is going to transpire. But this is one where I can't really put my finger on how I think this is going to end for them at Arkansas. Help, help give me a little context as well as the audience. But what do you think about Jordan Walsh coming in? Well, right now I have him 24th on my board, and a lot of it just has to do with his defensive ability and his athleticism. You said that he doesn't have, like, an Amen Thompson level of athleticism. There's there's few that do, you know, in, in, in a draft class, but I am a firm believer in his athleticism. I love his man defense. He's very, he's just a nasty dude, man. Like, you, he is going to give people fits this year. Um, I, I love his recovery, too, um, on – on plays where the ball is whipped around to another side. Like he has such good recovery. He sees it coming a lot. Um, he knows his game. I'm, I'm glad that you touched on him being unselfish. That's one of the things that I put 
um, in here. What what really hems me up about him, and this is a guy who I think he chose his his university very well because Arkansas, from what I can see them piecing together, they're going to be a very like up and down team. And the half court is where I have reservations for Jordan Walsh on the offensive yep. end. And that's where I think that a lot of people are going to be uncomfortable because he's not an isolationist. Um, he is very good at, you know, just moving the ball along, finding the next guy. I don't look at him as a guy that's going to try to try to bend the defense or, you know, poke and prod a lot. And that's really where it it comes down to me. And I don't think that the jump shot is is pretty right now. Um, so when you're looking at a player uh, like his at, at his position, you're going to want a couple of those things that I pointed out as weaknesses to to improve. And to me, the quickest thing that he's going to be able to improve is a jump shot. So if he could come in as being as nasty of defender as what he looks to be, he's going to be like this trash can type player on your team where he's going to dive after the loose balls. He's going to get the rebounds. He'll set screens. He'll do whatever in the world that yep. you need him to do. He'll protect your star player. Like he's a, he's going to be a great locker room guy. You just need him to be able to come around in the half court and have a threat. It's not going to be the handle. The next best thing that you could do is improve as a jump, as a jump shot, you know, player. And, and that's what I think that you got to look for him to do this season at Arkansas. That's why I said I, I think it's going to be a potentially major swing skill for him. Maxwell, yeah. Stephen laid out a compelling case for him as the, the kind of glue guy role player that I think every team needs and in one way or another in a locker room. My question for you, along with you obviously giving your thoughts on him, is that worth a top 25 pick in the NBA draft? Where are you at on, on that front? Yeah, not right now for me. I, I have him like in okay. the 40s. Um, I... I think he already might be in kind of a tough spot. Uh, um, Arkansas, they're going to play up and down. They're going to play a lot of guys. He's going to fit what they do. Um, but it seemed like at least on the international trip, like Ricky Council's already kind of taken that spot as far as the starting lineup goes. Um, so he's already kind of working a bit of an uphill battle there. His EYBL shooting numbers are horrid. Like yeah. absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Um, so like I, in, in the shot doesn't look, that bad to me mechanically i thought not the upper body i think the upper body yeah the lower body is what gives me concern yeah and that's that's like what i'm trying to parse through is is the touch good and it's just this mechanical tweak that needs to be made with his legs and then it'll be fine or is it just like a mess and it it could be either one um seeing him in some of the NIVC games, even like his, his ability to generate offense in the half court was rough. Like there'd be times they just give him the ball and that's not the best role for him, but it just gives me questions about like, all right, well then what is, cause he's not a floor spacer. You can't have Mac off the ball. Uh, he does have a body to screen. I think he could maybe be a short role decision maker, but even then it's hard because he was unselfish and he made some nice passing reads, but he got to take his time a lot with the ball. Like he got to be the person dribbling it and, you know, coming off of a screen and, having that kind of benefit of being the lead ball handler. And when he's not like, that's going to be an adjustment to have to be the guy who makes snappy reads. Um, That said, I I really like his mentality. I like him guarding every single position. He is like glue at the point of attack. I mean, basically one through four. Um, and, And I think his, just his mindset is good. He's not a selfish player. I think he's going to be fine if it doesn't come his way at all this season, like if he just has a year where, Hey, it's I, I'm going to have to stay in college for a few seasons. I don't think that's going to break. Him. Um, I I'm still ultimately very intrigued by him as a long-term player. 
I'm just not positive that it all happens this year. Um, but I think if he can just show progress with the jump shot, I'm going to be really interested. If, if there's progress with the jumper and he can prove to make better, quicker decisions off the ball, I'll be fully invested in him. But those are the two things I really need to see. So I think you guys have already shared some opinions with a few prospects that, that definitely differ from where I'm at at least a little bit. Now it's time for me to really differ from you guys. And, and Steven knows exactly where I'm going mm-hmm. with this name. Mark Mitchell going to do combo forward, 6'8", 215 pounds, number 26 in the ESPN Top 100, McDonald's All-American, also played at Sunrise Christian, averaging 17.6 points per game, 6.3 rebounds. I have him labeled as a potential point forward archetype. And that just bear, bear with me a little bit. He can really handle the ball and make things happen on the move inside lefty, but can go to his right and finish with it around the basket. High energy guy loves to hunt, miss shots and rebounding opportunities as well as make the hustle plays on the defensive side runs the floor really well in transition. and can handle the ball doing so he's made improvements shooting the ball off the catch. Uh, I don't think he has the comfort level pulling up just yet, but continuing to work on a floater in the lane is a must for him, which I think that he is that touch on, on a floater slash runner slash baby hook, but whatever you want to call where he comes to that stop on the right side of the court, I think he's got that touch there. He's a lob threat, can catch and finish off deep rolls or make something happen off a short roll, has the range to guard multiple positions on the floor. I kind of have him labeled in that two through four type of mold. Needs to continue improving his footwork on both ends. I mentioned the the runner slash baby hook that needs to improve. And he also needs to continue to put in the work on his three-point shot to shoot consistently at an average clip or better. Could also stand to add some more weight to his frame and bulk up a bit to comfortably handle any defensive assignments uh, down low, as well as finishing through contact on the offensive side of the ball. So I laid out positives. I laid out negatives. I think my case for being in that potential point forward type of archetype is you will see him make plays where he will block a shot or, or do something on the defensive end, get the rebound, push the ball up the court, and he will either get all the way to the basket in slam a jam fashion, or I've even seen some examples where he will find somebody else on the move and make a pretty impressive pass that I didn't know was in his bag, but all of a sudden he's doing these things in transition. Now, I don't think his, his vision is coming along to where I would like it to be at this stage in half court offensive settings. But I think if he's doing some of these things off a live dribble in transition, full speed, I think that eventually if he keeps working on it, some of that really interesting, you know, low usage inverted pick and roll type of stuff at the NBA level, maybe at some point down the road, those things could be in play for him because of how he handles the ball. I think he's got a really good handle. I think he's got a really smooth handle for somebody his size. Maxwell, you look like you're about to disagree with me. I'll, I'll come to you in a second. I like what I've seen. I think he's got a really intriguing mix of skills, and he just seems like somebody who he may not blow you away in the box score stats, but when you're going back and watching the Duke film and you think you're watching for Derek Lively or Derek Whitehead or, or Tyrese Proctor, who we have yet to talk about, you're, you're going back and doing the scouting reports on one of those guys. And all of a sudden you're seeing this dude make plays and you're like, who the hell is this guy? Oh, wait, that's Mark Mitchell. That, that's what he looks like on the court. Those are some of the things he can do. And I think some NBA team is going to look at some of those on film examples and just go, man, if we develop this guy the right way, 
we could have a potentially special player down the line, right? All of a sudden you look back on the film and he's doing some Herb Jones type shit. And you're just like, wow, I didn't think he could actually do some of that stuff. Maybe, maybe he is more active. Maybe there there's, there's more in the toolbox than we thought was there. That's the type of case that I think he has. That type of case isn't necessarily a top 10 pick right now. And I'm not parading around like Mark Mitchell needs to be in lottery conversations right now. But I do think if I were to come up with a board, he'd be in the back end of the first right now for me around the range of where he ended up in the ESPN top 100 rankings. And I think he has the potential to keep climbing up as people go back later on in the draft cycle and the process, review the film, and they might come to some different conclusions versus just going box score stat hunting. So Again, this is where I differ from you guys, but Maxwell, go ahead, d- debate me a little bit, and, mm-hmm. and, and you, Stephen, when we come to you as well, let me know some of your feelings, man. Where, where are you at on, on Mark Mitchell, and why, why is it more of the case coming around for you? Yeah, so I, I tugged at your heartstrings earlier with the McGowan stuff. You were really sort of uh, subtly trying to get me with some, some Josh Minot action there, <laughs> talking about the stuff that you see when you really dig into the film, so... I appreciate that. So for Mark Mitchell, I think one of the first things I just want to touch on is going to be kind of that Duke roster construction because they've got a lot of guys and I think somebody's going to get squeezed. And my gut tells me it's Mark Mitchell for now. Yeah, he's Um, not going to put up the numbers. I really don't think so. Yeah. It's going to be subtle stuff. And I think the other issue there is going to be like, you've got Jacob Grandison, who's like this vet, who's just a great shooter. You've got, you know, your, your general starting lineup. And then I think where it could get dicey is like one guy I see nobody talking about is Jaden shoot. Who's from Yorkville, Illinois. Just, gonna, like just was going right to mention his name. Me. Yep. Like he can really shoot the ball and is very, very prepared to play a complimentary role in college, which that's where I get a little iffy with Mark Mitchell is I love his, his touch inside of 10 feet outside of 10 feet. I, when he has to take a traditional jump shot, I really don't like it. It's not it's even off 80. the catch. No, I, I, I just okay. do not like how far out in front of his body that shot is. Okay. I think it's going to be real, a real big adjustment for him uh, is the game speeds up. Um, the other thing I'm, I'm not really into is just his decision-making and like the stuff with the ball in his hand. Like he talked about like the handle and like, I, I just don't see the handle. I think his entire body gets really clunky when he starts to put it on the floor. He had a lot of issues with traveling either just because he's trying to do too much with the ball or he's taken off before he's really ready or knows what he's going to do. I think that he, I, I do think his passing vision has its moments, but I also think that he's very prone to just four shots when he's double teamed or he doesn't have anything going and he decides I'm just going to put this up. And to me, like those are things that when you are moving up a level, like you can't do that anymore. Like when he, but like to your point, like, there are a lot of NBA tools here. And I think if the jump shot comes around, like there is lots of like, he's really strong inside. He is a phenomenal defensive stance and just springs into contest so, so easily. And when he does like to pass, the vision is there and the motor is great. Like he's trying hard. He's up and down the court, the whole game. I, I think there's a chance that it could all come together over the summer. Like there's a chance that we could see him and a lot of the nonsense has just been shaken out of his game and he's figured out how to play that complimentary he's, part. And he, if he he's, does, he's, like that's going to be great, but there's just so many things that I'm like, I don't like this. And I don't like how this bears for like, you're just immediate first year of college ball scaling up. 
Well, so you and I would probably agree, and 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 we'll come to Stephen for this as well, and that he is a project. But to me, mm-hmm. I think he's a project in a good way because of the tools that he possesses. Yeah, and no, I think, I, that I think there's enough MVP reason to buy into him being the type of project that you take a swing on late in the first or, or early in the second. What what about you, Stephen? Well, before I before I break your heart here, uh, Maxwell, oh, where do you where do you have him on your board? Oh, you guys are really trouble. trying to just this take the knife and trouble. just. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to be the only one here. To no, get he is sixty-five. Wow! Uh, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. I there's two guys ahead of him that should not be ahead of him. There's fine okay. sixty-three. Either way, I'm still uh, saying wow. Look at okay. If I'm like being serious about this, he's probably sixty. I have him fifty-nine. Okay, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow, barely. I, Barely be. I just, drafted. I just think it might take him a couple years. Like I'm not like, and I don't and mean that in a negative. Sense. And like, I think that's totally fine. And I think that's yeah. one thing that a lot of people in this space are just like, everybody's got to be one and done, or they're a huge disappointment or whatever. And like, it's fine to take a couple years, and it's gonna shout, happen. To shout a bunch out, of guys. shout out to Chuck. Then I guess I'm just gonna chuck my damn dart with this one, and we're just gonna go see ahead, man. So well, and that's what's gonna make our show great, right, Nathan? We talked about that on our first episode. Is that we're not always gonna agree, right? Like. I, I like his frame. I like his length. I like how strong he is. I like his motor. I like the way that he crashes the glass, right? Like those are all real NBA level tools that he has in his game right now. Things that I'm a little bit concerned with is his screen setting. Uh, I saw several times where there's like multiple screens on a play on defense and he just gets completely lost, right? Like not just like a little bit where you're like, okay, he sees the right thing. He's just kind of like, needs to know when when to commit on that like completely lost and his low time on his jump shot too and I know that Maxwell was talking about the placement of it and how far out it is I think that goes directly in line with how long I saw that it took him to get it's his jump criticism. shot off. um I don't know about his leaping ability like I'm not saying he can't jump right like so don't get it twisted I'm not saying he can't jump but I just I'm more comfortable with him as a two-foot leaper as opposed to like a second jump guy or a one-foot leaper and again, I pointed out Maxwell pointed out the jump shot. I I don't I don't buy it. Like it's weird because he has decent touch around the basket. You would think that would lend himself to being a good mid-range jump shooter. But there was a lot of times where I saw him have just some ugly misses from mid-range and then from deep. Kind of the same thing. So that's those are the types of things that have me concerned. And Nathan, we talked about this early on too, is like there's a lot of people at his position, man, where the margin of error is going to be so thin. And it's going to drastically impact where these guys get drafted. And I think Mark Mitchell, he's going to be fighting with a lot of other forwards and, and wings that can play that same level of position where it's just like, I just, there are some guys that I like ahead of him and he's a freshman and where he's going to go play is going to impact his, you know, the minutes he, that he gets on the floor. I wasn't super high on my not either when he came in, you know, so like I could definitely be wrong here, but that's just where I am with Mark Mitchell. So you both have given very fair opinions on Mark Mitchell, and I respect the both of them. We will we will have to see where this plays out. We will definitely have to revisit Mr. Mark Mitchell after a few weeks in and certainly more towards the end of the year. A guy who I really didn't think was going to get this much buzz before mm. the season yet. This has gone the opposite direction. Now I feel like I can't go one day on, on draft Twitter and not <laughs> see the name Baba Miller out of Florida State, the six foot eleven, two hundred four pound. Uh, Spanish forward, originally born in Spain, 
represented Spain in the U18 European Championships in Turkey and other U18 events, began playing for Real Madrid as early as 12 years old. So this guy's been in, in, in the pro circuit for, for quite a while, played most recently with their B team, got, got a few games a run up there. I think out of this particular group of freshmen we're talking about, this is the guy with the highest upside out of all of them. Gigantic transition forward who runs the floor well, can go up and finish a lob as well as he can sprint to the corner and knock down the three ball. That That's that's really intriguing to me. You You can use him as equal of a lob threat as a corner spacer in transition. That's really fun. He can contest shots around the basket and stay with smaller matchups thanks to his lateral quickness, length, and footwork. Smooth going to the rim on layups. Finishes with finger rolls and touch as opposed to looking to jam or power everything home for a forward his size. Coordinated and fluid on the move. Despite being near seven foot tall, he runs and moves like a wing. You love to see that. Doesn't have the ball handling ability to do much on the move in half-court offense yet, and he still needs to get comfortable going to his left. But if those skills come around for him, could lead to some tremendous results in the NBA. Jumper is pretty smooth for forward his size. Good arc, high release point, clean follow-through. And when he gets a full head of steam in transition, he can get to where he wants to go thanks to his long strides, can even make a dump-off pass if needed. He will need to fill out his frame, and get stronger to offer him more opportunities as a power forward rather than solely being perimeter-based. Talk about an intriguing mix of measurables and skills on the court. Maxwell, where are you at on Baba Miller? Because I, I told you guys mm-hmm. to check this, check out Baba Miller. I was like, I, I knew that he was definitely going to be on your watch list before the season, but I specifically told you guys now. This is the one guy where he's going to turn your head in like one of the best ways possible. And it makes 100% sense that he's going to Florida state. Cause that's, just, that's just where somebody of his ilk yep. should be playing <laughs> basketball, right? Just, just the next combo type of forward that, 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 that weirder mix of, of measurable slash skill who will find a way to break out and eventually be an NBA draft pick. I, I, I love the college fit. I love his game. This guy is not a sleeper anymore, but I, I've tried to treat him like a sleeper as much as I possibly could. Talk to me about what you got to see from Baba Miller. Yeah, so I kind of held off on watching the Baba film for a long time just because my initial process was like, I'm just going to you know, go, go through via the rankings, see who everybody's mocking in their drafts and watch those guys and whatever. And like Baba just wasn't a name really in the conversation at that point. So I started to go through all these guys and then you brought him up. I saw coach spins, bring him up quite a bit. Yep. And like all of a sudden, like all this buzz is building around him. You put together this list and you're like, you got to watch Baba Miller. You're going to love him. And I waited until this week to like really dive into the <laughs> film. And I told you, I was like, man, I love this guy. <laughs> so like, I, I just sort of hastily threw in my notes. Like I keep my notes in big board all in kind of one place. And I just, hastily threw him in at 20 but i think realistically he's maybe like a lottery guy if i'm being honest with myself uh he has a lot of fixes to his game that i think are very simple um i think what surprised me the most was like i basically went in pretty blind like i hadn't really read or seen any analysis of him i just knew that he's a guy who's 610 is going to florida state and i was like that's great i like that that's good decision (laughs) if you're tall you should go play basketball florida state they do good, good stuff there um he is not as like frail 
as I expected him to be. Like you hear every year, like, oh, this guy's big. He's kind of a project. You hear about this type of player every year, and they're always like Poku. Like they're always just like no, a real he's, thing. He's, like, he's not. I don't know he's not this. the exact carbon copy of John Butler yes. coming in. No. He's, yeah. He's, no. he's good. Yeah. He's he's way less frail than I expect him to be, and he's he's like willing to attack. Like he's got good strides going downhill to the basket, um, and he gets up pretty easily. I really like his length on defense. His contests just make things a nightmare. Um, guys really have to think about if they're going to shoot over him. And when guys do try to test his feet, uh, when he gets around the basket on defense or even in the mid range, he is just such a headache uh, at those spots on the court defensively. Um, I do think he could use some technique adjustments defensively. Like he's just not supernatural sliding on the ball yet when he guards quicker players um, in scramble settings, his footwork can be a little choppy. Like he should cover ground better than he does. Um, his shooting motion starts really low. I'd like to see him just be a little more quick with it, not have to dip it. Don't uh, you, don't you kind of see it. like the, the defensive footwork type of stuff that you laid out and, and the coordination. I mean, the, these guys mm-hmm. who have these ridiculous growth spurts, I mean, that, yeah, that ex- yeah. Just takes them it's a little not bit uncommon. to their body. So yeah. Yeah, no, I, and like, that's like kind of what I want to end on And the last one is like, this is a very, like very, very nitpicky thing. He's pretty good jumping off of one foot, but he always looks to go off of two. So there will be times where he'll have somebody with a move and it's like, just go off one. And just like, you've got like the easy scoop layup right there. And it'll be like, "Mm, how can I get to two feet? It just takes him an extra second and it allows the defender to recover. It's like, dude, you're fine going off one. You don't have to finish above the every single time. Like this this double like finger roll coordinated layups. And I'll be like, where did this come from? Like you don't see this from a six eleven guy. Like you don't need to to go off of two and explode every single time. Like trust your touch. Um, so that that's like a really minor one, but yeah, like to your point, like this is all very common stuff for guys who have late growth spurts. Um, but like the, the bend and stuff that he's able to operate with on offense, it's like he really didn't lose a lot of his athleticism. It seemed like, like he's not very, um, like there's not a ton of awkwardness that came with this growth spurt. It's like a lot of these things just feel like very easy fixes. No, he's, like, he's, he's not like a newborn deer running out there for no, the first time. Like, no, no, this no. Guy, it's like, this guy is, he's moving. Yeah. And like the way that he plays with Ben on offense, it's like, I have no problem believing that you can get a little bit lower on defense. Like I, I have no problem believing that you're going to be able to slide your feet a little bit better considering that you take great strides going forward on offense. Like you just have to implement that more on defense when you need to close out on somebody. Like all of this stuff seems very simple in Florida state. Like I think Leonard Hamilton, when it comes to just, brass tech's fundamentals of basketball is like one of the best guys in the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is a perfect spot for him. And I'm willing to bet on the Florida state system, ironing out the most fundamental aspects of basketball and a player who has shown a lot of everything else and some decent feel on top of it. So I'm, I'm really into Baba Miller. Steven, I swear if you are the wet blanket that, that completely, (laughs) that just says anything wrong about Baba Miller, please, please don't. Please don't. What What do you got? I, I actually like him a little bit more than Maxwell. I have him 19th as opposed to 20th on my big board. So <laughs> Maxwell is, uh, for all intents and purposes, the wet blanket here. The low man on top of it. Yeah, yeah well, you got to get you, get the numbers up there, Maxwell. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I love him, man. Like he's – Nathan, you put the – how coordinated he is. Like that was one of the things that I put in my notes. I love his body control. He's poised in traffic for his age too. Like obviously the size helps him out there. But he's not afraid of it either, you know, especially for a guy who hit a late growth spurt. He's 
a lot of times we'll see these guys are a little little timid to, to mix it up in the paint a little bit. And he's not that. Um, I love his skill level. Obviously, we're talking about that, the creation, how mobile of an athlete he is, the floor running, the help defense. Now, obviously, he's now almost seven feet if he's actually not seven foot already now. We need to see him get a little bit stronger, right, just to add to that complete versatility yep. to his game. But it's weird whenever you look at Butler from last year and you watch Miller now, and if you were just to put, like, them just running any sort of drill at all, like just how much more competent and coordinated of a mover that Baba Miller is, even without the basketball in his hand, just watching him like run. It's just a stark, you know, contrast in, in how those two players are. I just, I can't wait to see this dude light it up because like Maxwell said earlier, I have him 19th and I think there are some real legitimate concerns, like especially the shot might need a little bit of tweaking, but I'm not scared of it at all. Like he might be well on his way for to being significantly higher on our boards at, you know, within weeks. I, I think, I think this, if we're going to try and peg somebody as like the Pat Williams type riser, not, not just cause he go, he's going to Florida state, but the, the, the guy who is sneakily like lower on some draft boards before the season, all of a sudden by the end of the year, close in the draft cycle to the draft, he just massive spike up the board. I, I think this is the guy. I, I really do. I'm all in on Baba Miller. I'm glad that we're all buying stock early. I think it's it's important to buy stock in him early because just just give him eight to ten games to get used to himself at Florida State. Yep. All of a sudden, his his eight be a minute, fun team. His eight really minutes per team. game are going to jump to twelve minutes per game, and that's going to go up sixteen minutes per game. And and eventually, he might be playing like a legitimate sixth man type of role. I think they're a little uh, – they're, they're, the depth in the starting front court, I think, is there. I don't know if he's going to start at any point, but I do think he's going to be a really key contributor off the bench for them later on in the season as they move to the tournament. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with Baba Miller. Our last guy is also a front court player, more of – he he's a forward. You can call him a big I, – I, I, it doesn't matter to me how you want to classify him, but Kyle Filipowski going to Duke, 6'11", 220 pounds – number 10 in the ESPN top 100 Massachusetts Gatorade player of the year in 2021 has his best season in high school. He averaged 21 points per game, 13.2 rebounds, 5.2 assists and two steals. That's a pretty good stat line, super skilled offensive forward touch from every level on the floor, all the way out to behind the three point line can get going on the move and pull up from the elbow extended area and in post game with footwork and touch going over his left shoulder catch and shoot threat who can attack if defenders close out too hard on him nifty passer out of the post mm-hmm. and when handling in transition great offensive rebounder who positions himself well to take advantage of easy second opportunities could be a better shot blocker than i've seen given his size and awareness for on other spots of the floor and then obviously what the hell is his role on defense <laughs> will this be the same conundrum as it was with matthew hurt as far as the defensive side of the ball not sure I'm comfortable with him anywhere on the floor defensively, but his offensive game is more diverse and complete than Hertz was to where it may not matter as much, at least at the college level, to where he's just that good on offense. You just got to feed this guy the rock, give him the minutes he needs, and hope that the points put on the board outweigh the points that are given back on the other end of the floor. So, Stephen, Kyle Filipowski, very interesting player. I don't know what to make of him right now. I do not know how this is going to play out at Duke. He could lead the team in scoring and look amazing doing it. 
but it could be that that Matthew hurt type effect to where some of it's just feels like empty calories this is not necessarily impacting winning for them. I think the passing and you guys both kind of raised your eyebrow, like that might be the most interesting wrinkle to all of this. Well, where are you at on, on Filipowski as far as both his Duke prospects and what he might be able to be in the NBA? I think he should have went to Gonzaga. Like he just screams Gonzaga big to me, but I mean, going to Duke, it's going to be fun because you're going to potentially be seeing a twin tower lineup with Filipowski and then Derek Lively, who we talked about last week. I think the high low game between these two is going to be so scary because as you already mentioned, Nathan, the, the vision that he has in the feel as a passer for his size and the position that he's going to play, I'm going to classify him as a big, I understand why you did like why you have him as a forward here, because that's what he's going to probably play at Duke. But if you project him out into the NBA, he's probably going to be a five. And I think that he could be kind of in that DeMontis Sabonis ilk where he's not the best defender, but his feel, his shooting, his passing, rebounding, all of that culminates into just being like a really good offensive player. I'm not saying he's going to be that guy. I have him currently 34th on my big board right now. But obviously that can break, you know, going up higher on the board. It just depends because – what is Duke going to do on offense this year with Coach K gone? Like, do they get creative on some DHOs, right? Because we talked about how Whitehead's going to be on this team. Like, that could be scary. A Filipowski, Whitehead, DHO set. There's a lot of interesting wrinkles that I think that, you know, that they can do now. But ultimately, I think the interior defense is scary. I don't know how switchable of a defender he is. But again, like that's the type of stuff that we were worried about with DeMontis Sabonis coming into the NBA. So I'm not saying he's going to be that guy, but there are there there's a lot to like about his game. He moves well. I like his hands. I like his footwork. And again, I can't stress enough the vision of this guy for his size is it's going to be what sets him apart. And it could have him screaming up boards as the season goes on. Maxwell, what are your thoughts on on Mr. Filipowski? Yeah, like I, I mean, Stephen hyped on the playmaking, but like I, I gotta continue to do it. Like if, if anyone <laughs> read my like no stone unturned piece on Bigs, like I have the biggest soft spot for Bigs who can play make, and and he's one of those guys. Like he's a very very prodigious passer. Um, I think that he actually changes direction pretty well, and I think that that's like the one thing you really have to cling on to as far as hope for his defense. Um. You made the Matthew Hurt comparison. Do you ever played the game Quop, like Q W O P? It's like a web browser. It's like an old like web browser game, like you would play at school, like during computer class to kill time, where like you you press the letters to like control a runner's thighs, and it's like impossible (laughs) to like make them run. And like that's what Matthew Hurt moves like. Like I think it's unfair to put Kyle Filipowski in that in that same category. Uh, I think start referring to Matthew Hurt as Quop now. Yeah, yeah. So I. Phil Fosky, I think he's fairly like fluid. I think yeah. his biggest issue is just he is not a leaper and he plays very upright when he has to guard on the perimeter. So those are two things that in combination are not good uh, for a big man in modern basketball. I think the other thing too is like, I, I hate being like, oh, this guy's soft. Like, I feel like it's such like a, a hacky critique but he doesn't finish through contact that well. And it's just to Nathan's point, like, I just don't know where you put him on defense. If it's like, he's not going to jump and protect the rim. He's not that great dealing with contact. 
Uh, he's also an older, older freshman. I think he was like a five-year guy in high school. Um, there's just a lot of ways where his pro fit can get murky, but I think the offensive skill level is so high that maybe there's a world where, yeah, he has like this drew Timmy esque college career. where He's just this excellent college player for a really long time. I'm, I'm really buying his shot as well. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I have such big concerns about what so, he is on defense. So he's 6'11, 220. Yeah. Let's say that an NBA team feels that he needs to get bigger and stronger so that you can bring out maybe a little bit more of that, that, that toughness to him down on the block on the interior. What happens though, if he puts on like 10 to 15 more pounds or possibly even 20 more pounds. And we already think he, he, he's certainly not the fleetest of foot. Like what, what happens with him yeah. when you do that? Like, I, I don't know if that's fully the answer for him either. Like I, I don't know if I want him adding more than like 10, 10 more pounds of weight. Like I kind of want him to be lighter to take advantage of everything that he has Maxwell that you laid out. Like, I don't want to lose. I don't want to take the risk losing any of it. No. And that's, I kind of like, don't think the weight is the problem. <laughs> like, I, I think a lot of it is just mentality. Like look at Chet Holmgren and how good he was on the inside last year. Cause like, not to like make everything about Victor and Chet in like the comparisons between the two. But I think that one thing about Chet that like was very frustrating is people who watched him all the time is he would be like, Oh, but he's so skinny. It's like, but all the things that he should do poorly because he's skinny, he still does well. Like yeah. he still keeps his nose in every play. He still bangs on the boards. He still finishes really efficiently or on the basket. Like these, I think are real concerns with Filipowski. So I don't know that it's like, we'll make him bigger. It's like, I don't know that that's like, 100% the solution here either. So I, I think it's just got to be something that he kind of figures out. And that's, I, I wish I could give a better, a better answer, but I, I think that's what it is more than anything. He will remain an enigma to me throughout the entire college season. I can't wait to study his film and see where he's going to end up through this whole 2023 draft process. But guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. We made it. We made it through another uh, 10 guys here. So we've covered 21 freshmen through the first two episodes of the 2023 preview cycle on the pod. We've got 12 more freshmen coming next week on our road to covering over 80 prospects before the season starts. I love it. I love that we're definitely building out the database a little bit here. Can't thank you guys enough though, for joining me as you will continue to be doing. I really love that we're all doing podcasts together. I think the chemistry is great. I think the opinions are diverse and great. Now it's just about covering the guys, doing the homework every week. And we know that we're going to do that. So uh, Maxwell, let everybody know where they can find you, obviously on social media, but more importantly, what are you working on next for no yeah. like I get to ask that question every week. It's mm -hmm. great. It's awesome. Yeah. So uh, at bound boards on Twitter, B-A-U-M-B-O-A-R-D-S is the Twitter handle. Um, I'm working on the last piece for no Sun unturned, working on a guard profile hoping to get some more stuff going as far as communication with schools. It's like a weird time for basketball programs yep. right now. Um, but I got to talk to, I'll just give a spoiler. Who cares? I talked to VCU's Jaden Nunn. Uh, oh, last that's, that's a big name. Who's, who's one of the sick. guys that we're covering for this one. I am very much a fan, uh, even more a fan after talking to him. So he's going to be one of those guys. So next week, that one should be ready to go. Uh, so that's the next thing coming from Simon me. Rath better be listening. He's a big nun guy. <laughs> I talked to, I talked to Simon about Jaden Nunn because I was just, I was so excited when I was watching the film before I even had the interview lined up. So yeah. Shout out, shout out to our good friend Hawks draft nerd, Simon Rath on, on mm -hmm. social media, Steven, 
where can everybody find you and, and what are you working on next my friend yeah so um you can follow me on twitter or where i'm most active at Stephen g hoops you can read my written work over at no ceilings nba.com um and the things i'm working on right now is a, a player that i feel like all three of us like a good bit and uh houston mallet i'm gonna go ahead and start spoiling okay. that i'm working on a piece on on him uh the pepperdine prospect that i'm really uh really excited to watch and i feel like he's kind of being slept on as a returning sophomore if you look at the production level of him compared to some of the other guys that are getting a lot of first round early second round buzz in this draft cycle uh my man's being left out and i want to i want that to kind of stop so i'm working on a piece to kind of highlighting um what i think that he brings to the table is in, in terms of being an nba level talent and as always the biggest thank you goes out to our audience. Everybody who listens to mm. this podcast week in and week out, thank you so much for doing so. If you aren't subscribed already, make sure you're on board. Uh, you can find Draft Deeper wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Make sure you're following me as well on Twitter at Draft Deeper. And make sure you're following No Ceilings at No Ceilings NBA on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed to the Substack to see all of our writing as well as everybody else's writing on the team. NoCeilingsNBA.com. We're going to be more active on other social media fronts as well this year, Instagram. Uh, we just put out the post about going live on TikTok. We're going to be more active on TikTok this year. We're going to be everywhere we can be on the social media front, on the YouTube front, on the podcast front, no ceilings. It's, it's draft day domination, baby. That's what we're looking to do. We're looking to come out here and, and make a big statement in year two. We're all excited to cover what seems to be a potentially incredible draft class. So Definitely stay tuned with us. We're going to keep the good times rolling. By the time you hear this podcast, I'll have my next piece out going through my, my scouting tips and things to look for by positional category on the year. I'll have the wings piece out and then I'll have uh, forwards and centers lined up in, in the coming weeks as well as we continue to pump out more content, but stay tuned to this podcast feed. Stay tuned to no ceilings, plenty more announcements coming before the 2023 draft cycle. But until then, Thank you all for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.